Thank you for tuning in to the Movement Podcast. We hope this message gives you a new perspective and inspires you to move towards God's purpose. For more information about the Movement Church, visit themovementchurch.co. And here is today's message. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody going? Welcome to the Movement Church, where Jesus' mandate to save souls and make disciples is at the core of our movement. You know what? If you are new to our church, well, welcome to our family. You know, you know what? I pray that God will speak to you this morning. You know, join. Please join our, one of our connect groups. We've got 65 all over Sydney, all over the globe. And I promise you that your life will never be the same. You know what? Today we're going to start a brand new series. I'm excited about this one. Okay, are you ready? The series is called Get Over Yourself. You know what, in the next three weeks, we're going to discover and learn about the three biggest weapons of self-destruction. You know, self-obsession, negative self-talk, and self-doubt. You know, week one, we're going to learn about how to deal with pride and narcissism. Wow, that's going to be cool. You know, number two is how to deal with negative self-destroying thoughts. Number three is God never wanted us to live a timid and small life, that we always doubting ourselves, but He always wants you to walk in confidence that He always have that in store for you. You know what you see? These three weapons, if you think about it, have been proven many, many times in the Bible that it has the power to derail people, for, people of God, people of faith from the destiny that God has prepared for them. You know, if you think about it, King Saul was on his way to be the first and greatest king of all. He's got the look, man. He's got the charisma. The Bible says he, he was head and shoulders above every, everybody else. But self-ambition came and derailed him. You know, the 12 traps of Israel, if you think about it, was on the border of that promised land. Just one more step, they came to the promised land. But you know what? Self-doubt came and whispered, you are just a grasshoppers. And they found themselves, went back, to square one, went back to the Red Sea where they belong. And think about it, church. If you think about it, man, I can feel that this is going to be a good, good next three weeks. So whatever you do, please make sure you bring your family, your friends, your cats and their dogs, make them in the room with you for the next three Sundays. It's going to get lit. Amen, amen, amen. But today we're going to learn about the very first weapon of self-destruction. And that self-destruction weapon is called self-obsession or narcissism. Okay, are you ready? So good. You know what? I'm going to start by defining, clearly defining what is narcissism. You know, if you look for it, if you search for it, they have a formal definition of narcissism. You know what? It says that narcissism is a disorder in which a person has got overinflated sense of self-importance. You know, their personality characteristic will include this, okay? Number one, they are thinking very highly of themselves. Their best friend is their mirror. Their ideal partner is they marry themselves, right? And they love taking selfies in public areas. Come on, somebody, stop embarrassing yourself, right? Number two is they have this constant need of admiration. 
They live for the followers, the likes, the views, and the comments, right? Number three is they believe others are inferior to themselves. You know, often they make others feel inferior just to make them feel superior. And they like to surround themselves with people who always only agree with themselves, right? Number four is they are lacking empathy for other people. Because they are so preoccupied with themselves, often they have a lack of space for other people. But if you think about it, if you track the root of this, all this narcissism, the root is one word and that word is pride. Everybody says pride. You know, when it comes to pride, all of us will be tested by it every day. Nobody's exempt for it. You know, when it comes to pride, the Bible is actually already predicted it even 2,000 years ago. Listen to this carefully. Listen to this. You know, Paul says, for the people, for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and unholy. Number one is pride will only invite destructions. Okay? Proverbs 16 verse 18 says that pride goes before destruction and a holy spirit before a fall. What pride starts, destruction will always finish it. So never let pride be your guide because it is only guide you to the thing called destruction of your life. You know, pride always says I, 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 I. If you think about it, what is the middle letter of the word pride? It's I. What about uh, the middle letter of the word crime? is I. The middle letter of the word sin is I. So if you track every problem in every conflict, every destruction, right in the middle of it, you will find pride. You know, if you think about it, Lucifer lost it because of pride. Saul lost it because, because of pride. Even Jesus got tested by pride. You know, command your armies of angels. That's a test, a test of pride. When pride is inside, Destruction will always follow closely behind. Number two is that God opposes the proud. You know, the Bible says in James, God opposes the pride but gives grace to the humble. James actually saying that there are two lanes in life. The, the first one is the life that is full of God's grace in your business, in your relationship. I don't know about you, but I would love to live in that lane. But the other lane is where God all of a sudden becomes your opposition. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in that lane. I want to live where my business, my relationship is actually in the, uh, the hands of grace of God. Number three, pride will always pull you down. You know, Proverbs 29 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. James also said that humble yourself before the Lord because He will lift you up. But maybe some of you said, okay, how, Pastor? You know, how can we stay humble? Okay, I don't want to be prideful. I want to stay humble. Today, we're going to learn the three biblical ways on how we can stay humble. How can you stay broken or humble? Okay, are you ready for this? Number one, everybody shout number one. Always remember that everything we have comes from God. Come on, somebody. 
You know, 1 Corinthians says that everything we have, the right thinking, the right living, a clean slate, a fresh start, all of them comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to boast, boast on God. You know, the first thing we need to stay humble is to continuously remind ourselves that everything we have, come on church, everything we are, everything we own, it comes from God. Yes, we, we work hard for it. You work hard for it. But let me ask you this question. Who gave you that strength? It's God. Yes, you made great decision in your business, great decision in your relationship, but He is the one who gave you the wisdom. Yes, we work long hours, but let me ask you this question, who gave you the health? You know, yes, we endure some of the dark valleys in our life, but let me ask you this question, who gave you the peace, peace of mind to endure that? He is the source of everything. You know, if you think about it, this pandemic, should act as a reminder that everything that we own comes from God. You know, during this pandemic, all of our possession, we ask, what for? You know, all that fancy cars, all that fancy bags, all that fancy, fancy shoes, what for? We can't use it. You know, all, that, all our business strategic plan um, before pandemic and things like that, we ask themselves, now what? You know, everything comes to a halt. All of all our of our qualification. Now what? You know, all our good looks, all that pair of Yeezy, all that, yeah, that, that we just bought, you know, so what? We can't even use it. You see, when everything is all of a sudden is stripped out of our control, all of a sudden we realize that God is always in control. You know, John 15 verse 5 says, Yes, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. You know, always remember that everything that we have is actually come from Him. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. You know, the second way, the second way of keeping us humble, the first one is to remind ourselves that everything that we have, everything that we own comes from Him. The second one is by serving other people. You know, the Bible says, do nothing out of conceit of rivalry, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of other people. Come on, somebody shout others. You know, the best antidote of pride is by serving other people, by putting others ahead of ourselves by counting others more significant than yourself. You know, I love what Rick Warren says. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but humility is thinking of yourself less. How smart is that, right? This is why one of the very first things that we teach for all our new members in a movement church is first to be part of Connect Group, but the second one is to serve. You know, probably you said, why? Because God says so. You know, the Bible says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give him his life as a ransom for many. You know, here at the Movement Church, we believe that serving is actually for everybody. Whether you are CEO of a company or you are a nurse, whether you are a boss or you are a cleaner, whether you, are a uni you have a university degree or a high school dropout, serving is for everybody. 
You know, the Bible says in Matthew 20, verse 26 says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be leader among you must be your servant. You know, I love when Pastor Rich Wilkinson says, if you're too big to serve, you are too small to lead. Think about it. So church, if you haven't served in any capacity in this church, contact your leaders and ask them, how can I serve? You know, because only through serving, people will get disciples. Let me say that again. Only through serving, people will get disciples. You know, here at Moment Church, we believe that we don't use people to build a church, but we use the church and the ministry to build people. Why? Let me, let me explain to you why. Because only through serving, when you serve other people, your real attitude come out, man. When our leaders tell us um, uh, the thing that we do wrong, our ego, our real color really came out, right? True or true. Come on, somebody. That's when we disciple our members through serving other people. You know, when people like, I'll give you an example. When people like Nathan Ho first came to the movement church. Come on, somebody. Everybody knows Nathan, right? Everybody calls him the clown, right? He's always joking around. He's always a little unreliable. Sometimes he He's there, sometimes he's not. But you know what now? He's one of the my strongest department leader there is. Very reliable. You can count on Nathan. I wish I've got more Nathan. Come on, somebody. When he say yes, it means yes. Now, he doesn't even stop there. He raised other people. You know, think about it. Two months ago, before COVID, he doesn't know a, a, a thing about video editing. You know what? Now, not only is one of the best video editors right there, but he teaches other people who edit videos. I often ask, is this the same Nathan? You know, as a person, Nathan has grown in strength and maturity. But that doesn't come from luck and just prayer alone. That comes from intentional discipleship through serving other people. You know, when he led his connect group, listen to this carefully, probably six months or 12 months ago, oftentimes people told him, man, he's not good enough. You know, often that comment make him wanted to give up. Don't you think he knew? He knew. But true, he, he didn't give up. And through not giving up, he grew stronger and maturer. And you know, how? By discipleship through serving other people. Now, I reckon he's the most eligible bachelor in the movement church. Come on, somebody, help me preach today. You know, my first point, always remember that everything you have comes from God. Number two, how can we stay humble? By serving other people. And I'm going to close with this one. This is personal to me. You know, the third way to um, keep yourself humble is that always remember where you came from, okay? Think about it. The fights of towards humility gets harder as you get higher in life. The more successful, the more victories you have in your life, the more breakthrough you have experienced your business, the harder it is to stay humble, true or not. Come on, if you think about it. Why? Because power and success always seduces us to think that we did all this by ourselves. You know, I love it when Bill Gates says, success is a lousy teacher. 
It actually seduces smart people into thinking they can never lose. You know, Abraham Lincoln says, nearly all men can handle any adversity. But if you really want to test men's character, give them power. You know, the last thing that we ought to do to stay humble is that by regularly look back and remind ourselves where we came from. By regularly look back and remind ourselves where, where God has taken us from. You know, even Apostle Paul in the Bible always continuously reminded himself. And he said, listen to this carefully. He said, here's a word that you can take heart and depend on. That Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. I'm the proof. And he said, listen to this. I am public sinner number one. My God. You know, he said, I kill people. I burn churches. If the world is full of sinners, I am the worst of them. You know, in another translation, he actually said, I am the chief sinners. So if, if, if I'm somebody who could never have made it in life apart from the sheer mercy of God. You know, of, the Bible says of someone who could never have made it apart from the sheer mercy. And now he shows me off as an evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. Think about it. You see, Paul continuously remind himself where he came from. He continuously reminded himself where God took him out of. He reminded himself that he is the one who gave me this honor to serve God at the first place. My God, you know what? When I look back into my life, I often said to myself, who am I God? that you love me so much, that you give me this honor to lead this beautiful church, that I was a nobody. Think about it. I was a nobody from an unknown town called Jember. Nobody knows where Jember is. Even Indonesian doesn't know Jember is. Nobody who doesn't even have a glimpse of significance in my life. But you chose me. You repaired me, God. You loved me. You restored me. And you made me your own. You called me. He said, oh, come on. I wish somebody can testify how good he's been in your life. I wish I have somebody in my church who say, oh, God, how would I ever forget that I came here in Australia with a suitcase and $300 in my pocket, but you've been so faithful in my life. Oh God, I would never forget that I came from a broken family, that even my husband left me, but you, you never left me, God. But when everybody left me, you came and you put me back together. And, and I wish somebody says that, how could I ever forget the day you saved me, the day you found me. Oh, come on, somebody. I was on the brink of suicide. Come on, I'm speaking about somebody right now. I was on the brink of suicide, but you gave me a reason to live. I was lonely, but you gave me brothers and sisters in this church who accepted me the way I am. I'm just grateful that you want to use people like me, God. That I'm just grateful that I can serve you. I'm just grateful that I'm just part of the team. Come on church, never lost that humility of heart, never lost that brokenness of heart. You know, I want to close with this, that God chooses the humble to build His kingdom. God that we serve always chose the humble 
to build his kingdom. Why? Because the Bible says so. You know, Paul says, take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best amongst you, not many influential people, not many from high society families, but listen to this. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks, exploits, and abuses. And they chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretension of these somebodies. Oh, come on, somebody. You know, let me tell you that God that we serve, He searches. He urges, it's like He craves for people who are broken, people who are humble, people who are dependent, people who are hungry and, and, and broken for Him. And He used them, He actually used them to build His kingdom. Oh, I remember the day when, when God found David, man. You know, God says to Samuel, Samuel, you go. I have found somebody that to lead my people. No more Saul. I have found somebody, Samuel. You know what? And Samuel went and found the tall and handsome guy. That wasn't David. It was David's brother. And Samuel said, come on, God. This must be the one. Look at him. He's got the look. You know, but God says, nope, not this one. I don't search for the look. You know, and he went, he went and found another brother. And Samuel said, this must be the one. Come on, God, look at this. This is it. He's got the battle experience, this one. Okay, but God says, I don't look for experience. The experience can work for the chosen. Come on, somebody. You know what? And then he went and found another one. And Samuel said, come on, man. Not the look, not the experience. This must be the one, right? He, this one can speak, God. This one can speak eloquently. This one can lead. But God says, I don't look for the mouth. I search for the heart. You know, seven times Samuel did that. And finally, until all seven is done, he, he asked the father, he asked Jesse, that's it? Are there no more son? Can you believe it? David didn't even make the count. His dad cut him out. And dad says, well, yes, but there is the runt. But he's out tending the sheep. I'm Asian, man. I don't know what runt is, so I had to Google it. A runt is a very smallest baby animal in a litter. I don't know about you. I don't know how you feel when your dad, your own dad says, you are just the smallest animal on the litter. But that's what his dad actually says about David. A run is a derogatory word for a small person. You know, if you are, you, you've got a little brother and he's very sensitive about his height, he, you know, it would mean that we call them the run, right? David's dad thought, what possibly could this run have to offer? I've got seven other sons that, is, that are better, stronger, and taller than David. And you know what the Bible says? Samuel ordered Jesse. He didn't beg. He didn't plead. He ordered Jesse. He said, Jesse, Dad, you better go and get him. Because I'm not moving from this spot until that run is here. Church, let me preach right now. Aren't you thank God 
that you serve a God who does not look for the perfect teeth, perfect qualification, perfect hair, and perfect look, but He look for your heart, man. He take a good heart over a perfect teeth. He take humility over a per- perfect resume. He take a brokenness over a perfect qualification. He is the one who chose the adulterer David, the weakest Gideon, the overlooked 12 disciples. He called the prodigal son home. He used the star Moses to split the sea. Oh, I just thank God that he want to use a run like me. Is there anybody in this church glad that we serve a God who used the weak to shame the strong? Come on, I want to help some people. He want to use the divorce, the single mother, the bankrupt guy, the failed married guy, the immigrant, the Asian Indonesian pastor. God is saying to you and me, that you may be just a run, but you are my run. So Jesse, you better go get that run. You are hiding in the back because we are not moving from this spot until that run is here. Oh, come on, somebody. Maybe I'm just a run, but I am God's run and He loves me. Maybe I'm just a run, but I am His run and He wants to use people like me. So get over yourself and let this run worship. Come on, somebody. Give God a mighty worship this morning. You know, I don't know why you're here, but I feel in my heart that some of you need to listen to this message. That you came here, you feel that you're worthless. You came here that you are just a runt. You're just the smallest. You're the weakest. You, you don't know why you're here. You don't know why the purpose that you live. But you just stumble upon this message. Let me tell you, I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer. This simple prayer is probably one of the shortest prayer that you've ever prayed, but this simple prayer is the most powerful prayer because when you pray this prayer, you're actually inviting God as your personal Lord and Savior. And I promise you that your life will never be the same. Do you think you can do that? Amen. Let's close your eyes and open your heart and say this prayer with me. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I need you, God. I want to invite you as my personal Lord and Savior from today onwards. I want to surrender my life. Be my Lord and Savior for today onwards. Take over my life. I want to surrender my life, God, in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, Amen, Amen, Amen. If you just pray that prayer, let me tell you, you just born again. Let me tell you, you have a place in heaven and God loves you so much. Be planted in a good Bible-based church wherever you are. If you don't have any church, if you're in Sydney or Manila in Korea, you know, the movement church is there. You know, contact, uh, leave your detail in our website and then one of our leaders will get in contact with you. We love you, church. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to our next podcast. If you are blessed, we'd love to hear from you. So connect with us through our social media. Be blessed.